0: If you have your Bibles this morning and you would, uh, open them up or turn them on to Mark the 7th chapter. As we've been going through this chapter looking at faith built on a solid foundation and we looked last week about self-righteousness and self-righteousness is a difficult topic to address because the world looks at the church and says anytime you quote scripture to us you're being self-righteous. On the flip side of that, you'll hear people say, well, well, I'm not being self-righteous, I'm just trying to tell the truth. And then you'll have people who are in church who, who very much think that our way of doing things, even if it's not in the Bible, makes it right. And what Jesus was addressing in this chapter was religious people, people who claim to be religious, but have put the traditions of themselves... The traditions of man above God. And so self-righteousness is when you and I view ourselves as right, even to the point above God, above what God says. As Bible-believing Christians, what we believe is this book is the foundation of our faith. It is where we get truth from. It is Him who this book speaks of, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so anything that I believe, if it is not based from the Word of God, is a problem. There's nothing wrong with tradition. There's nothing wrong with the way that you would like for things to be done or the way that I would like for things to be done. But the moment that I and my opinion and my feelings becomes more important Than the Word of God or who God is, we become self righteous. And the issue with self righteousness is that it causes the heart to become hard. Now, this is not just unique to Christians. If you work in a profession that deals with trauma, if you're a nurse, if you work in the funeral industry, after time, you begin to build a wall, your heart begins to harden. Not because you don't care about the people that you are taking care of, but because if you don't handle trauma, you fall apart every time. So the longer you deal with trauma, your heart can become very cold in the sense of you are trying to protect yourself because you can't fall apart at every disaster. The same can happen in law enforcement or in other EMTs, uh, first responders who are dealing with trauma and traumatic events. You have to guard your heart because you cannot feel every bit of emotion. And so in those instances, a hard heart is meant to protect. But in the church, as a believer... As a person who is here today that doesn't care about the things of God, when your heart hardens, it is not for protection from what is going on. It is to shield you when you know that you are doing wrong. When there is something in your life that should not be there, when you disagree with the Word of God, When the preaching of God's word brings conviction into your life and you do not want God to deal with you, you begin to harden your heart. All of us are guilty of it. All of us can allow our hearts to be hardened. All of us can sit in church, hear the word of God, and as God begins to deal with us, we say no. And what happens is after a period of time, when we tell God no, when we tell God that we're not interested, when we tell God that our way of doing things is right, the Bible says that when we harden our heart, then God will say, okay, if that's what you want, I will harden it as well. In Isaiah chapter 6, this very same thing plays out. And I want to show you it from the Old Testament, but also I want to show it to you from the New Testament today because what we see is that every person of every generation, of every culture, of every religious experience can struggle with the same thing. In Isaiah chapter 6, if you would look at this verse on the screen behind me, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Don't miss the last six words in that verse. And return and be healed. This is very important because what Isaiah says is, I'm going for God. God is sending me to preach to these people. The problem is they refuse to listen. They refuse to hear. They refuse to respond. And so what is going to happen is when you hear the truth of God's Word, this morning, like you are getting ready to do, to hear the preaching of God's Word, you will either hear and the Spirit of God will begin to deal with your heart The Bible says the Word of God is like a hammer, it's like a fire, it's like a sword, and the Spirit will use it to deal with your heart through conviction, through encouragement, through correction, wherever you are in your walk with God. And if that happens, you can return to God and find healing, find forgiveness, find salvation. All of the promises that God gives us. But if you harden your heart, what God says is it's just going to grow harder. It's just going to grow colder. And this morning you say, what does that look like? It looks like you leaving here today, not caring. It means when you come and hear the word of God, know what the word of God says, but for whatever reason you say, doesn't matter. Some of you are already here today saying, I don't want to be here in the first place. Some of you are here saying, Jake, I don't mind to do the church thing. I don't mind to give up an hour on Sunday morning, but God is not going to get a hold of me. You see, this morning Jesus is talking to people who wanted the religion on the outside, but didn't want to give God their heart. But the Bible says there's only one who can change your heart, and that's the Lord. There is only one who can bring conviction. That's the Holy Spirit. This morning as I preach, I want you to know there is no power in the man. There is no power in the words that I say. But the Word of God and the Spirit of God can convict you of where you are, can point out the changes that you need to make to reveal to you that you need to be saved. And so this morning as we gather here together, when we pray, if you're a believer, I pray that you will join me in praying for the Spirit of God to do amazing things in the hearts of these people today. Pray with me if you would. Father, as we come this morning, Lord, we're not here just to gather. We're not here just for a discussion. Lord, we are here to hear from you. And Lord, we fully recognize that if Your Holy Spirit is not at work in hearts, Lord, if the Word of God is not being preached, Lord, then nothing we do can change lives. But Lord, we believe completely that Your Word never returns void. Lord, we believe that Your Spirit was sent into the world to convict of sin and judgment and righteousness. So Lord, today I pray that You would soften the most hard heart. Lord, that You would remind the most wayward person that they can be forgiven. Lord, that You would deal with the most self-righteous person in here. Lord, that we all need You. Lord, whatever takes place in here today, Lord, we know that if anything good comes, it comes from You. And Lord, we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. If you're taking notes today from Mark chapter 7, write this down if you would. God's desire for them to hear... God wanted these people to hear the truth. Look what it says in verse 14 of chapter 7. When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them. Now I want to just stop right there because when you call a group of people together, it is usually because you want them to listen. At Christmas every year, my mother reads the Christmas story to all of her grandchildren. And as that starts, she doesn't say... Scatter! Find a corner of the house. I'm going to read this. No, she says, gather around. Everybody, let's get close together. And you never know how that's going to go, right? Because, you know, this kid might have more presents than this kid. This kid might be... But anyway, it's to gather together because why? She wants them to hear that even though the relationships are important, even though the food is important, even though the gifts are important, then the most important thing about Christmas is the fact that the Son of God stepped out of heaven, was born in a manger, lived a perfect life, died a substitutionary death. That means he died on the cross for my sin and your sin. That he was buried and that he rose again, and that if you'll repent of your sins, call upon his name, you shall be saved. And that's what's most important. So everybody gather in here. Jesus is doing the same thing. He's saying gather together. He say, "Well, Jake, what does that mean for me? You are here gathered together for whatever reason some of these people were there because they wanted a physical healing some people were there because they hated jesus some people were there because they loved jesus some people were there just to see what was going to happen next but friends do you see what he did there he called all of the multitudes together Thousands of people, he says, get as close as you can. Get as close to my voice as you can, because what I'm going to tell you will forever change your life. And so he goes on, when he had called all the multitudes to himself, he said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand. He says, don't just listen, but let the words change you, let the words deal with you, let the words affect you. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now this is as basic and as simple as you can get. Jesus is talking about when food goes in, at some point in the body it comes out. He is saying what you eat is not what makes you defiled. He said it's messy when it what? Comes out. As simple as you can possibly think, that's the analogy that he gives them. And what he's teaching them is is because if you remember, they were upset because they weren't washing their hands. They weren't going through the religious outside exercises to make them right. And what Jesus is saying is all the external things you can do does not make you right with God. There's only one way to be right with God. And that is to repent of your sins. To turn from the wickedness that we are and turn to Christ repenting of our sins and believing in Jesus Christ, calling upon Him as our Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that when we turn to Him and repent of our sins and accept Him as the Lord and Savior of our life, God does something miraculous to us. He makes us alive. It is called the new birth. He looks at us as righteous and he has taken on un- our righteousness he has looked at us and saw us as a child Instead of an enemy. And so we know this. That there's one way to be saved. Jesus is saying all of the external things are great. Right? You should come to church. And you should should take the Lord's Supper. And you should do all of these things. But there's only one way to be right or wrong with God. And that is the unpardonable sin. That is to reject The free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offers to you and I. To say, no, I'm going to reject the love and mercy and grace of God. I'm going to reject the fact that He died for me, that He loves me, that He's willing to save me. And the Bible says that when you die and leave this world, rejecting Jesus, there is no other hope. And so what he's saying here is, he's like, don't be focused on the outside things. Now, sometimes people will say, well, that means as a Christian, I can watch whatever I want. I can go wherever I want. I can do whatever I want because what comes in doesn't affect me. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying your salvation does not depend on external forces. But friends, what you watch, where you go, who you're around affects who you are as a Christian. As you can tell, the many, many years of me eating have affected me. Right, the front porch has become a wraparound porch. And some of you have been dealing with the same builder, looks like. But, I didn't make you look like that, don't get mad at me. But what you eat has a consequence, right? Your blood pressure, your arteries, all of these things, it affects you, right? You can... You can live how you want, you can go where you want, you can do what you want, but it affects us. Jesus is not saying that a Christian should not watch inappropriate things or be in inappropriate places. He's just saying that when it comes to being saved or lost, being a child of God or an enemy of God, the way that you are saved and that I am saved, it's a hard issue. The heart. Because out of the heart is what we see Is we're saved or not? In Mark chapter 4, Jesus said it like this. And He also said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then He said to them, Take heed what you hear, with the same measure you use. It will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. Jesus is saying that when you hear the word of God when you hear the truth of God when you're exposed to the truth of God, if you will accept it if you will embrace it if you will humble yourself and allow the word and power of God to work in your life, that he will do more. He will work more he will move more but if you and I harden our hearts and say God I know that you want to deal with me about my pride Lord, I I know that You want to deal with me about my sin. Lord, I, I know You want to deal with me about my unforgiveness, but I am not willing. What it says is, is your heart will begin to grow cold. And God begins to do less in your life. God begins to do less in your marriage. God begins to do less in your ministry. First thing, God's desire for them to hear. And this morning, God's desire is for you and I to hear. The second thing we see from this same passage of Scripture is God's desire to deal with their heart. God had a desire to deal with their heart. Look at verses 17 through 20. When He had entered a house away from the crowd, His disciples asked Him concerning the parable. So he speaks to the multitudes, he sends them away, he goes into a private house. Whether there were 12 or 50 or 200 disciples, we don't know for sure. But they gather around him and they say, Can you explain to us what this means? So he said to them in verse 18, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? So he reassesses them and re-explains this to them with the same human body analogy and says, listen, eating bacon doesn't make you lost or saved. Eating ham doesn't make you lost or saved. Washing your hands before you eat doesn't make you lost or saved. Going to the temple doesn't make you lost or saved. Going on a mission trip doesn't make you lost or saved. Being in church doesn't make you lost or saved. Being a deacon doesn't make you lost or saved. Taking the Lord's Supper doesn't make you lost or saved. He says all of the things that you can do cannot change the heart. He says you have to allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to change your heart, to show you who you are, to repent, to turn to Him. This is very, very important because in Mark chapter 4, uh, we just looked at that, that nothing hidden will stay hidden. You see, you and I might be able to hide the fact that we really don't love God. We might be able to hide the fact that we really don't love our fellow believers. We might be able to hide our sin from our spouse. But what God says is, listen, I already know what's in your heart. I know the things you're hiding. I know the things you're covering up. I know the things you're too ashamed to speak. Because in Matthew chapter 15, we see this very same passage of Scripture, the same story, but it gives us more information. And in Matthew 15, listen to how this goes. Then His disciples came and said to Him, Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? They come up to Him and said, You know the people that you were calling out, they are not happy. They are not pleased by you took everything that they are going through and called them out. And friends, this morning I want you to know that. If you are listening to the Word of God being preached and it is not lining up with what is in your heart, you are free to be mad at me for the rest of your life. But friends, I'm not the one you have a problem with. When the Word of God is being preached and it's whatever topic it is, whatever issue it is, and you disagree with God's Word, what God is trying to show you is, I love you too much to leave you where you're at. I love you too much to allow the sin in your heart and your life to destroy you, to destroy your marriage. And so this morning, as you sit here today and you hear this overweight preacher talk about your heart and the softness of your heart, and is your heart moldable? Are you willing to respond to God? Do you think you don't have any need for God? This morning, I want you to know that there are only two answers you can either harden your heart and reject Him, or you can allow Him to work and to say, yes, Lord, I know I'm struggling with fear. Yes, Lord, I know I'm not really a Christian. Yes, Lord, I know that I've got unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart. Yes, Lord, I know that there is, there is a coldness in me. Because let's be honest, as a Christian, you need to know that hardening your heart is usually a slow process. It's one time I'm not going to forgive. It's one time I don't care about reading God's Word. It's one time that I don't like the sermon on whatever sin I'm struggling with. And it begins to harden over time. It begins to crystallize. And what Jesus says is, is you will get to a point where you will hate the things of God. How many of you used to love reading the Word of God, but now it doesn't matter? How many of you used to love to tell other people about Jesus, but now if they die and go to hell, someone else can reach them? How many of you used to look forward to the day when you could get up and worship and sing and glorify God in His house, but now you're just here because you want your wife or your spouse or your parents just to get off of your back? What Jesus is saying is your heart is hard. But don't forget what Isaiah said. If you will return, He can heal. If you will allow Him to work in your life, He can change the heart. And so the the Pharisees hated this and they were making it known that Jesus was meddling in areas that He should not meddle. But Listen to what Jesus said in verse 13. But He answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. What that means, friends, is if God doesn't do the saving, there's nothing we can do. This morning I can pray for you. I can preach to you. We can try to be a good example to you. But if God is not the one that is at work in your heart and if you're not willing to allow Him to work in your heart, friends, there is nothing we can do. We can have the greatest music, we can have the greatest preaching, we can have the greatest atmosphere, but if God is not at work in your heart, if God has not truly saved you from your sin, if God is not truly the Lord and Savior of your life, there is nothing that can be done spiritually. Spiritual things have to be done By God. And so this morning, if you're here saying, Jake, I don't understand what's going on, but I know the Lord is trying to deal with me, the Lord is trying to work in me, friends, you are blessed because God has said, I love you, I care about you, I want to have a relationship with you, I want to do something in your life because I love you. You're saying, Well, Jake, I'm here and none of this makes any sense to me. What Jesus says is, You don't belong to Him, you're not His. And friends, what that means is it's a scary thought. These Pharisees had every opportunity to hear and to see and to be a part of, but they said no. But one of these days, on the Day of Judgment, these Pharisees are going to hear and recognize that Jesus is who the Bible says He is. The Bible tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Friends, the question is not, is Jesus the Lord and Savior of the world? He is. Is He the King of kings? Yes, He is. And we are given the wonderful privilege to acknowledge it now, willingly as He deals with us. Or one day we will recognize it unwillingly. Third and final thing, and I'll be done. God wanted them to hear God wanted them to know that He could deal with their heart. But God reveals that there is evidence to evaluate. Most people, when they hear a sermon like this, what they then say is, well, if all I have to do is believe, then I can live however I want. Right? I have prayed the prayer. I have asked Jesus to forgive me. Now my life is mine. I can do what I want, say what I want, think what I want, go where I want, live where I want, And Jesus knew this. Jesus knows that our hearts deal in the extremes. If the pendulum swings to liberalism on this side, when it is corrected, it swings all the way to legalism. If you struggle with legalism this morning, and the Word of God can be preached, sometimes our flesh wants to flip all the way to the other extreme of liberalism. But what God wants you to know is you are saved by grace. You are saved by the mercy of God. But once you are truly saved, there is going to be enough evidence for you and I to look at our own lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and know who we really belong to. Look what it says in verse 21-23. through For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, Theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile them in. Now next Sunday, I want to give you a heads up so you can stay home. Next Sunday, we're going to look at all of those. One by one. And what sin is. So if you don't want to hear what sin is, and your heart is hardened, don't be here. I just want you to have fair warning. But what Jesus is saying is you as a child of God or you here today as a lost people can look at what is coming out of your heart, what your life looks like, and evaluate whether or not God has saved you and changed you. You say, but Jake, all of us sin. All of us struggle. All of us fall short of the glory of God. You are absolutely right. But what he says here is not only actions, but hearts. As a Christian, I can struggle with pride. I have moments of pride, and the Spirit of God convicts me, and if I repent. But the question is, is your whole life about your pride? I can have thoughts of lust that come into my mind, but when I repent of them and turn from them, or is your life continually controlled by lust and pornography? Today I ask you the question, you are going to tell lies from time to time, but when you lie, are you willing to repent, apologize, or is your lifestyle consistently one of a liar? Jesus is not saying that you won't struggle with sin or that you won't sin, but what He is saying is if your lifestyle, if you are habitually, that means continuously living a life of sin, He says the evidence that your heart has been changed is not there. And so today Jesus says, if you've really been saved, if your heart's really been changed, then the Spirit of God and the Word of God will ask you to look at yourself, not others. You don't have to go around saying, well, I wonder if he's saved or she's saved or they're saved. No. But what you can do is know that you were saved if you truly belong to Jesus Christ. Because what Jesus says right here is, if the heart is evil, the life is evil. If the heart is wicked, the man is wicked. You're saying, well, Jake, I don't think I want to evaluate myself. Neither do I. If you've ever put off going to the eye doctor or the doctor, if I don't go, it's not real. You are just as smart as I am, not very. It doesn't matter if you go or not. The problem's there. It doesn't matter if a doctor tells you it or not. It's there, right? You see Jamie up here with them old people Think He's going like this, right? It's just the way it is. He could act like it doesn't happen, but it is. But friends, I ask you this because as a child of God or someone who is lost today, you can deny it, you can explain it away, but what God wants you to know is that He wants to evaluate us. He wants us to know what's in our hearts. Because why? God wants to save. God wants to forgive. God wants to work. And friends, many people are going to stand before God someday and say, Lord, I was in church Or or Lord, I took the Lord's Supper. Or Lord, I gave money in the offering plate. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. But friends, this morning what Jesus says is we can allow the Spirit to evaluate our life and know what's in our heart. And so next Sunday we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. What is coming out of the heart of a Christian? Peace, joy, love. What comes out of the heart of a lost person? Not not the actions that make you lost, it's the heart. When God changes your heart, He changes your desires. He changes what you love. He changes who you love. He changes how you live. Galatians 5 says it like this, and I'll close. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What that means is if God truly has forgiven you, something miraculous happened in your life. The Holy Spirit, the very presence of God has come to live within you. And because of that, you have been forgiven. You have been sealed. You have been secured. You are now a child of God. And all of the sin that you've ever committed, all the failures that you've ever had, all the brokenness that you've ever experienced has all been covered. Jesus is Lord of your life. Everything has been washed as white as snow. And you are now a new creation. That's what the Bible promises. But he says, if it hasn't, friends, you and I are still lost. We're still under the burden of the law. We're still under the burden of sin. We're still under the brokenness of this world. But you do not have to be. This last couple weeks, one of the religious leaders of the largest um, church organization in the world wears a funny hat and a funny robe, made this statement. As long as you worship your God to the best of your ability, all roads lead to heaven. Friends, Jesus said something totally different. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 9, I am the door. Not one of many doors. Not one of many windows. One door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The Bible teaches this one truth today if you're here and you're lost. Jesus loves you. Jesus loved you so much that He was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. That means He never sinned. He willingly went to the cross, not because anyone forced Him to, not because they could hold Him there, but because He was the only one who could take the punishment of sin who could satisfy the wrath of God, who could conquer sin and death, and He allowed them to hang Him on that cross. And when He hung on the cross, the Bible says that He took the punishment of your sin and mine. And when the Father looked at Him, He had to turn away. And when He was on the cross, the judgment of every sin that has ever been committed was poured out upon Him, and He died. He didn't fall asleep. He died, and he was buried. The Bible tells us that he was dead for three days, but at the end of that third day, something happened. He arose. You say, Jake, you believe a dead man came back to life? 100%. It is everything we believe that Jesus was dead, and he came back to life. And because he came back to life, because he is alive today, when this old fat guy dies, absent from the body is present with the Lord. One day when he comes back and the dead in Christ rise, this guy is going to be a part of it. He died, he arose. And the Bible says that when you, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, realize that you are lost, realize that you are a sinner, realize that you are an enemy and rebel of God if you will humble yourself admit your sin, believe and confess him as you will be Saved. The Bible makes that promise. You will be born again, brought into the family of God. That is the promise that God makes for you. That is what He wants you to hear, that He can change your heart. You say, Jake, I've already done that. Then what He wants for you this morning is to acknowledge, are you truly living for Him? Are you truly willing to say, Lord, my life is yours wherever you send me, whatever you want of me. God, I want more of you every single day. Lord, I want to live like you. I want to talk like you. I want to think like you. Lord, I want my life to bring you glory and honor. Because if you do, he says, you come. And you can be healed and renewed. But this morning I want to say this because I've been in lots of church services. And I've been in lots of church services with a hard heart. If you're here today and you're thinking, I don't need any of this. I don't care about any of this. I don't want any of this. Friends, I want you to know that you can keep on thinking that. You can get right up out of here and leave today the same way that you came. But I want you to know something. You're 100% wrong. 100%. But there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing someone shaking your hand at the back door can do about it. But what I am going to pray is that the Holy Spirit of God will deal with your heart that he will begin to draw you, that he will begin to soften you, and that he will change that heart of stone into something that he can work with and move and forever change your life. You say, well, Jake, that's not what I want. Well, I can promise you this. It will be once you get it. Because when Jesus changes you, friends, everything's different. Everything is different. There is nothing greater than the love and mercy of God when you finally, finally, finally experience it. Father we thank you so much for your word. Lord we thank you for its truth and Lord today we humbly come acknowledging Lord that if you don't do it nothing will be done. Lord today I pray that you'd give us a burden not only for our hearts, Lord, but for those around us. Lord, let us be humbling ourselves for the friend, the neighbor, the child, the grandchild who is running from the things of God. Lord, for that person that's here today that doesn't know you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is at work doing only what he can do, drawing people to yourself. Lord, today we pray for a mighty move, not for our glory, not for our self-righteousness Lord but for yours and so Lord today remind people that you want them to hear that you want to work and that you are willing and able and Lord thank you for who you are and we ask it in the precious name of Jesus amen